Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing Podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. All right, guys, um, I am back another week, but definitely not next week. I'm on vacation, but I wanted to get another episode in because a lot of stuff has happened. I'm sure you guys have noticed, and we're going to be covering a few bases today and some little bases. ND Baseball's on the docket. We're going to mention a little bit about recruiting, and then we're going to get into the reason I had to do this podcast today, the college football playoff expansion. And I do have a more, it's an early birthday present, really. My birthday's tomorrow, but uh, my good buddy, you guys know him as From Sluggo, Casey the Beef Cregan is joining me today to give me a birthday present, his presence. What's going on, Beef? Tomorrow was it. You've, you've told me that a couple times, but I didn't realize it was tomorrow. So you did it's such a great thing for me and my birthday and sent me a present. So who's the better friend in this situation? I think that's pretty abundantly clear. But I'm happy to be here with you, pal. You know, you and I converse quite often, and uh, we always have a good time. So even though this is Notre Dame speak, um, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm glad to kind of lend my outside Notre Dame eyes to you. Yeah, well, and that, that's why I wanted to get you on. Um, for that reason, the playoff expansion, when you're a Clemson guy, does impact Clemson. And uh, I know you have really good thoughts about it, but the fact that you are way more entrenched in college baseball than I am, I did want to spend a couple minutes on that, and you can provide way more insight. And the recruiting stuff is going to be quick, but uh, the baseball and the expansion was uh, definitely relevant and I know we'll have a good time with it. And I wanted to bring someone on who wasn't on the Notre Dame side of things to see what you thought of where Notre Dame's position ended up being in this whole scenario. So uh, let's jump into it. And now that we have me and Beef, you got to watch us both for the changes because I don't know where this is going to go. We do. It may not sound like it, but we do have notes. I promise. So watch us for the changes. Unlike our last show. Unlike yeah, our last show. That, that's true. I, I'm excited about this one because this one's kind of planned versus just... Like a structure. Yeah. So, but... Go ahead with your tonight. Oh, absolutely. Watch us for the changes and try to keep up. Let's get into it. Okay, so college baseball, if you are keeping up with it, and I hope you are as a Notre Dame fan, because they keep flashing up on the screen multiple times a game. This is the first Super Regional since 2002. I graduated high school in 2002, and I turned 37 tomorrow. That tells you how long it's been. So it's kind of a big deal. So I hope you guys are into it. I hope you're watching it. Um, Beef already knows. Uh, I went full Randy Quaid on Saturday and was ready to turn the damn place into a parking lot. Because I don't know how you blow a 7-3 lead. And and I should have known when they started at, uh, Flashing up on the screen, oh, Notre Dame's 24-1 and when scoring first. They're 33-3 and when they have a four-plus run lead. They're this, they're that. Uh, 24 straight games won when they score. 
every which record you could think of that was going to jinx Notre Dame was flashed up on that screen. And best feel, best feeling team in the country. Four hours later. You know? Don't you hate that though? They they flash that stuff on the screen, and you just have a feeling, right? You just have this feeling that, well, it's that streak's gonna end at some point, right? Hopefully, it's not, but you just have that feeling, like you. There is such thing as the the announcer's curse. I swear it exists, and it's things like that, especially after the fact, hindsight being twenty twenty. You're like you assholes. Like what are you, what are you doing to us? Yeah, and, you know, going into it, uh, you know, the stuff I had kind of prepared for um, as we were leaning into the weekend, Notre Dame outscored the South Bend Regional 50-5. to And that's fantastic. You hit, like, 15 home runs. You won 50-5 to in three games. But the fact of the matter is you could have won the whole regional with eight runs. <laughs> like, like, you didn't need 50. But that's fine. Okay. And then we go out and we score seven. We're up seven to three. I'm like, okay, we're going to keep this train rolling. And they give up the lead. It doesn't look good. Um, then they come back uh, yesterday and put a beating on Mississippi State. So I feel like the games I've been able to watch, which is just the tournament Notre Dame baseball, it sounds crazy, but Saturday feels like the anomaly versus – like, as opposed to beating Mississippi State nine to one, oh, we got lucky. I think they got lucky on Saturday. I don't think it, Notre Dame should be doing the Irish jig right now on their way to Omaha, but we got another game tonight. Yeah, and there's something beautiful about three game sets in the Super Regional. You know, I, I was spoiled in my days that where I always talk about me being at Clemson in the late 90s and our football program was not even slightly close to what it is now heck we carried Tommy West off the field after a 3-8 and eight season but he beat South Carolina, a 2-9 South Carolina team and he was fired the week before uh, but baseball was, I was spoiled rotten in three of my five years, that's right I went to school for five years, three of my five years we went to Omaha and one of those five years we were the number one seed going into the Omaha before Gary Burnham threw a ball into a fair ball into the stands, and it kind of ruined our hopes. That you know that iconic play where um, uh, Warren Warren Morris hits the home run against Miami. Yes, that, the LSU kid, right? Not you, the LSU kid. If Clemson beat Miami the night before, it's LSU Clemson in the final. So just a little little uh, piece oh. of history there. If, if Gary Burnham doesn't throw the ball into a fair ball into the stands, okay. Clemson so- likely wins that game. And then now two runs scored, and then he threw. It was basically an inside the park grand slam. Um, anyway, so so off my Clemson horse. So Warren Morris would have walked off against you guys instead of yeah. Miami. Okay, against Chris Benson or oh. Billy Koch or Ken Vining, who were the three guys that got drafted. One fought. There was that stat they showed the other day when on the Vanderbilt game, because the two pitchers, Lighter and the other Rocker, Rocker um, for Vanderbilt. Are, could possibly go in the top five, and there's only been a certain number of players that have gone top five. Well, 1996, Chris Benson went number one overall to the Mets, and or to the Pirates, excuse me, and Billy Koch went fifth to Toronto. So okay. That was Clemson. That was my time, which was awesome. Anyway, I, I, re, I digress, if, if you will. I like this Notre Dame team. I, I really do. Of course, I, I like to give you crap too, but <laughs> whereas I said in our text message over the weekend, 50 runs was great in the, in the regional, but now you're going to be playing a team with a pulse. And then I watched that team because 
the SEC baseball is a lot like SEC football in the way that they pump up the, the conference. Um, the conference is the best in baseball. And hey, it hey, likely real, is. Real quick. Baseball. I don't want to interrupt. How did Arkansas no. how did Arkansas do? I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was tough, but that's baseball. <laughs> right? The fourth seed in the out of the ACC beats the number one team overall. That that I mean, dude, that that's it, like not that you can't make the same comparison, but that is literally like NC State beating Alabama. Like <laughs> in football. In football. It was. Especially <laughs> you know? the way Arkansas was well, they were Uno Dos Adios, I believe, in the SEC tournament, but but that didn't they didn't, yeah. they didn't care, apparently, or it was single yeah. elimination in the SEC tournament, and they didn't care. They were playing for the bigger, better. Well, they're lost yeah. now. They're not. They're not the Omahaogs. They are Omaha. Yeah, but you, sorry, you were talking up Notre Dame against the SEC. Go ahead, continue. Yeah, no, I just think I, I told you that they're they're finally playing a team with a pulse, and then I watched Saturday's game, and they just jumped on them. But but the thing that I've been preaching all year long, and I have watched a bunch of Notre Dame games because they were so fun. Uh, I didn't expect them to come into Clemson. Nobody did. And take two out of three or sweep them, whatever they ended up doing. But I said, all these northern teams, and, and Notre Dame falls into that ilk, they have to pitch well, they have to play good defense, and they have to do the little things. They have to run the bases well. I mean, it sounds so cliche, right? But they have to do these things to compete with these teams that are playing year-round in Florida, in South Carolina, in wherever. You name the southern state, Texas. Um, they're playing year-round, and that's where those kids are coming from, right? Indi- not a lot of kids from the South are going to Indiana or going to Notre Dame to play. So they have to do these things well. Well, they have a great coach in Link Jarrett who was bred by Mike Martin at, at Florida State, played at Florida State, and then was the head coach at uh, UNC Greensboro, I believe. And he's instilled that into this team, and they've bought in. And they have poster you know, the poster children like Nico Cavadas. Uh, Zach Preisner yesterday was, was wonderful. The, the pitcher that they threw, Terrell, last night has been great all year long. I think he's he's had 17 starts or so. I think he's only 5-1, and one, but he's been fantastic. So watching Saturday's game and seeing them compete, even though they made the errors, which I'm like, oh, God, that's going to screw them. That's going to screw Notre Dame because that's not – now they're on this big stage, right? They – they had to beat Central Michigan and Connecticut and the regional. I don't even think they, they played Michigan. We didn't even get to play in Michigan. That pissed me off. I wanted <laughs> I wanted another 10 runs on Michigan, but anyway. They were uno dos adios. Too. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think that, that they were rolling. And I and I, I told you, and I know you said that in a text that your dad said they're going to lose 2-1 or something. But I said, it's baseball. They're probably going to. Here we are. Then they throw, what, eight, nine runs on that first game. And then the second game, they, they – put them up for nine against a team that's the dude is one of the meccas of college baseball um the stadium there at mississippi state in starkville it's one of the meccas man and they've won so many national championships i mean that's what they do my boss the company i work for now my boss played in omaha one of our vp of sales played for mississippi state in omaha i mean this is the this is this is probably the mecca and notre dame's coming down there and going you know what do we have to lose and not only what do we have to lose, they've done really well through the first two games. Take the loss away, you've got to feel really good as a Notre Dame guy going into tonight. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It, it felt like um, to you know kind of circle back to football, but the uh, it's it's the you draw the way we lost was like we drove inside the red zone five times, only got two touchdowns out of it. You know, kind of thing. You know, shooting ourselves in the foot, and I. I mentioned to you before we started, 
I went through all these numbers kind of just to highlight Notre Dame and what you can expect. And my takeaway was, hey, we're a defensive team. We're not striking people out. You know, we're not always putting up a ton of runs. It seems like we're playing good, sound defense based on the numbers alone. And that was a long, really long-winded way of saying, which I'm really good at the long-winded part, of saying we have a great fielding team. Not only do we have a great fielding team, we have the best fielding team in the country. We had the best fielding percentage of any team in the country, and sadly, I didn't know that, but I said it without actually saying it. it the numbers show it. Without, you, without actually knowing we had the best fielding team, I figured it out. That's how obvious it was. And it was shocking to ha- see those errors that came at costly times, and that's, that's the thing. Errors suck regardless, but... When they come at inopportune times is the worst. And yeah, so losing 9-8 didn't feel like we lost. It was weird. It was frustrating more so because I think we should have won. And then we come out yesterday and put it on them, and we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, I I want to see Notre Dame in the College World Series, obviously, but I want to see what, what they can continue to do because... Having seen a few games in the last two weeks has been awesome. I, I love watching what they're accomplishing. It's And Mississippi State, uh, what, what was it? Was it SEC or NCAA, uh, their second most strikeouts in a season ever? In, uh, was it SEC or all of college baseball? I think, it's all, I think it was all of college baseball. That's what I thought so, yeah. It is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, he was in Arkansas, excuse me. But yeah, they, they're just, they're a power team and we're... We're not like you said. You, we don't get those big kids that you know because they're not training year round. So we'll see what happens with the uh, the rest of college baseball. I will keep you guys posted. Um, I appreciate Beef's knowledge of college baseball. That was way more in depth than I could have ever gone. So awesome. But if you guys aren't doing anything not anything tonight, seven o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Central, Notre Dame versus Mississippi State game three. ESPN2, tune in, bring your uh, Guinness, Irish car bombs, whatever you enjoy, and watch Notre Dame win. All right, so now we're going to transition into, real quick, there's some recruiting notes. Um, and you can help me with this beef. It's it's Notre Dame-centric, but I you, you know recruiting. Uh, real quick, we lost out on a Caleb Evans. That kind of sucks. Um, I think he, he's going to be good. I don't know how good his exposure will be at uh, Missouri versus Notre Dame, but I think he chose Missouri because I think that's a guaranteed start. If he goes to Missouri, he's starting. If he comes to Notre Dame, I don't know that it's guaranteed. Cam Hart has looked decent. He's looked pretty good. Um, Obviously, you got Clarence Lewis, who started as a true freshman. He's going to be there. So I think... A lot of these factors, yes, in terms of exposure and education and everything. Everything says Notre Dame is better than Missouri, obviously. But I think for his interest, Missouri is probably the right choice. So uh, I wish him the best, unfortunately, because it really would have helped our corner depth. Because after Cam Hart, even like Clarence Lewis is a true sophomore, we got a lot of young guys at the cornerback position. True freshmen, true sophomores. So, you know, we'll see. But the big name that we landed was the dump truck, 
Kane Madden out of Marshall. And a lot of people are kind of responding oddly to this. And that's why I want to get Beef's kind of take on this. Uh, a lot of people were saying that, oh, great, now he's going to come in and he's going to bump Rocco Spindler. We need Spindler to be playing. We need, we need to get Spindler in the game. And here's the thing with that. He's a true freshman. I'm not saying Spindler's not going to be great. I'm not saying that if everything was as it were, he wouldn't start. Okay. But when you can bring in a guy who's 23 years old, has been playing D1 football for the last four years, in the guard position, the biggest concern, and you saw it in the spring game, Rocco Spindler got put on skates a few times. And that's not his fault. He's 18 years old. That's not his fault. He's not there yet. Kane Madden is there, and he can push back. He's called the, I hope he's called the dump truck for a reason. Like, I, I hope that's not like some uh, sarcastic nickname. I mean, the guy's what, 6'3", 313. But he got a lot of praise. He seemed to be highly recruited. And, okay, let's say he doesn't start. Let's say that doesn't happen. I think that says volumes about Rocco Spindler and where our offensive line really is. But I don't see that being the case. Our offensive line took a hit when Dylan Gibbons went to Florida State. I think we needed depth, and I think Caden Madden does that. If he starts, which is expected, awesome. If he doesn't, we still have that depth. And I know you know a little bit about recruiting, so if you want to throw in some, some comments, go for it, Beef. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and you know, I'm not a Notre Dame guy. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that today. Uh, <laughs> but but they, they, I'm looking at his 24-7 profile today, and it looked like 50% of his – his prediction was Notre Dame, and 50% was Florida State. So you lost one to Florida State, but you also gained one technically, eh, kind of roundabout way from Florida State. But what I'm hearing in your voice and the way you're saying it is, what it's going to do, whether the kid starts or not for Notre Dame, it's going to breed competition, right? Doesn't this Spindler kid now have to step his game up if he wants to play? Maybe it, maybe it does help, or, or it's going to help one way or the other. Either you have a plug-and-play guy that's played Division One football, whether or not he was highly touted or, you know, whatever, he's played Division One football. You hope he can gel, gel with um, with the all, with the pieces he already have in place. But like you said, maybe with Rocco Spindler, maybe it lights a fire up his tail a little bit, breeds this competition, and now you if, – if it does, now you've gained depth. It's a win-win situation, I think, for you in, in all aspects. But as a Clemson guy, I don't know anything about transfer portal. <laughs> Uh, no, absolutely. And the, the thing that I, I'm stressing is Spindler is a true freshman. And I, I, I'm 5'6", 150. When I played college football, I was 5'6", 140. If there's any position that size matters, it's the offensive line. I, I was fast enough and quick enough to get some snaps as a slot receiver in Division three football. If you're in a different spot, you can get time. Offensive line, strength will be easily identified whether you have it or not. And unfortunately, at true freshman, 18 years old, you're probably not there yet. So is it horrible that Rocco Spindler was in line to start and now he may not? I don't think so because I think he'll be even better next year because he is still 18. And as good as these kids are and everything else, they're still human beings. If he goes out there and starts, it's against Florida State or we got Wisconsin coming up and they're t- whoever it is, if he gets completely just beat constantly in 
at play after play, that's going to demoralize him. And where does that put his mindset and everything else? So, like you said, it's a it's a positive every way you look at it. If he wins the job, that's a lot about him. If he gets to sit back and watch a guy who has done this, that's gonna it's it's a net positive, and I'm happy about it. And let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. This is yep. kind of rhetorical, but I'm going to ask it anyway. When's the last true freshman offensive lineman that you know of that's been an impact player for your team? Now, Notre Dame might be an anomaly, but yeah, I'm, yeah. Just, I'm, on Clemson, we've had I, one. The, that's it. The year is escaping me. I could probably find it very quickly. But the, the guy was Sam Young. He played tackle for Notre Dame. Um, You've answered the question then. Not very often, right? Oh, yeah. Is this Spindler kid, was he a five-star kid and all-world and everything? Uh, High four. High four-star. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he was, it was between us and Michigan, really, at the end. He's a very highly touted. touted, But even still. Yeah. You you hope that he doesn't have to start. Offensive line needs a year. I'm a true believer in that. They need a year. So if you're going to thrust this kid, and he's going to, thankfully he's on the interior where you can help him out a little bit. But the film don't lie, right? Isn't that the old phrase that they say? The film don't lie. So they're going to show if he, and he's going to see some boys week one against Florida State. I don't care how good Florida State is, he's going oh. to see some boys on that defensive front. What? I know. Um, that... So they, they they can put him, as you say, on skates very quickly, and then well, you're going to be. Well, and, and here's the thing: it happened in the spring game. And they like each other. <laughs> a team that doesn't like. <laughs> but yeah, so you have what we perceive as a statue back there, right? As quarterback, Ian Book's gone now, so Jack Cohn's going to be, you know, hey, as an opponent. That we're saying Cohn is sneaky elusive. You'll be he, he surprised me. He's not Ian Book. No, no, not at all. But hey, what? Sam Young was the first true freshman to start a season opener on the offensive line at Notre Dame since 1972. And what year was Mr. Young? 2006. So we're looking at 15 years ago. Yes. The so recruiting was a lot different back then. Too. So there's that. But yeah. So uh, but I, I'm I'm excited for Kane Madden. I think it's going to be um, a, a positive and. Like I said, offensive line is that one spot where you get found out pretty quick uh, if you're going against Florida State or Wisconsin. Yeah, you could be or, a slot receiver, right, and you mess up your route, your route in what? the first snap of the game, but they end up throwing a 54-yard bomb to Justin Ross and scoring a touchdown. No one's really going to know the difference. If you don't know your assignment at offensive line, you miss, and you miss two guys coming your way and through your, your gap and your – quarterback gets a concussion now he's gone three days you remember that name now before we move on to the major topic at hand i gotta ask kane madden brings a lot of experience so should they redo the sp plus formula to account for the new experience so we don't go seven and fucking five (laughs) that'll never not bother me but I've, I've never, never seen such a thing. But okay, all right. Uh, if there are any ladies out there, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the main reason I wanted to bring Beef on is 
to discuss the latest and greatest in college football playoff expansion. Now, I got a little surprise for you, and don't laugh too hard, because this is uh, this is just how I imagine that entire committee walking into the meeting room in Chicago this week. They're going to put on their headphones, they're going to get their beats, you know, like the kids do off the bus, and they're going to get some music going, and this is what it's going to sound like. They're going to come off the bus, their head bobbing. So, I guess before we discuss our take and thoughts on these potentially bad decisions, um, for the listeners, if you haven't seen, which I'm sure you have, what the expected acceptance of this new expansion is going to be is you're going to get 12 teams. So, get eight more teams. How that breaks down is you get the six highest-ranked conference champions – Regardless of conference affiliation, not just the Power Five, not a select number of Group of Five. You got ten conferences, the top six, where they are ranked in the final college football playoff committee rankings. Top six are automatically in. Of from there, the top four are ranked one through four. They get a bye. Then five through twelve will play each other, with five, six, seven, eight getting a home game, and that's where we're at. Now, I wish it just stopped there. I wish there were less details after that statement. Because where this rolls into it, and it, it's going to be a bigger part of the topic, obviously, because of Notre Dame and what this podcast is about. But Notre Dame cannot get one of the four top seeds. Regard, they could... Uh, and. This would never happen. Notre Dame could go 12-0, and the next closest team could have three losses. Notre Dame is still, best case scenario, is a five seed because it is strictly conference champions that get one through four. Notre Dame is an independent. So, what did Drex Warburg have to say about that? Well, he seems to think that he's going to own it, lean into it, and be happy about it because... His quote was, I look forward to never hearing again about how we played one less game and don't have a conference championship. Which, that sounds well. It sounds all good. And I'm sure, I don't blame Jack for what happened. I don't. I'm pretty sure he was against it. You got all these conference-affiliated guys in a room and or presenting this, because they haven't actually met yet, but presenting this. And he's the odd man out. So... I have to feel that this five, six, seven, eight getting a home game, that was I think Swarbrick's angle. I I have a belief in that because like, hey, all right, fine, you want to play that card? 
we get an extra home game. Our our playoff game is going to be a home game because most of these years that if people if you look online and otherwise people have created oh if it was this year if it was that year if it was this year Notre Dame would have been in the five six seven eight range most years and would have gotten a home game. But to say that it's the same as a conference championship game is a little misleading because let me ask you. Listeners and beef, who's in front of me on a computer. <laughs> if you lose your conference championship game, are, is your season done? Is it elimination? Theoretically, it should be, in my opinion. Because in my, in my opinion, it goes back a lot of years. And it, and it was accentuated when, Georgia, when Alabama beat Georgia in that national championship a few years ago. Okay. They didn't even win their conference. How can you be a national champion when you don't win your conference championship? So I'm kind of antiquated in, in my thinking, I think, in some of that is that I just don't believe, I think in order to win the national championship, you should have won your conference. Um, but this is coming from a conference guy. Yeah, I and I agree. I agree. But the 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 way Swarbrick's presenting it is, oh, it's the same. Well, it's not because – Let's say last year, the scenario that played out, Coastal Carolina, by happenstance, Coastal Carolina beats Notre Dame. That'd be, and not obviously record aside, that'd be the same as if when Pitt and Clemson played, Pitt beat Clemson. Well, Clemson's still getting into probably, potentially whatever is out there, if it were a 12-team situation. Had they lost the ACC championship. Notre Dame loses to Coastal. Season's over. It's kaput. Regardless of record or otherwise. So, I don't like how we likened those two things because they don't add up. At the same time, I don't agree that the top four seeds don't get a home game. I think that's a little odd. But but it's... What was that? What was that? Is that bowl games? Or is that what they're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, because what, what it's going to end up being, do the math. There's eight teams, right? That are going to move on to that next round. And the New Year's Six becomes that and then then you move into the semifinals and finals like they have been so those four games are going to be your new year's six games is how that's going to play out so yeah it's you know it's so the 13th game and that's the other part of it that's the other part of it now obviously last year being coastal i don't see them as a threat but i mean other times it was washington when they went back and did this like the five twelve, I'm using that because that's where Notre Dame was last year. But the five twelve could present a legitimate opponent, whereas uh, Ohio State playing four loss Northwestern, Clemson playing four loss Pitt. I mean, come on, we're we're calling that the same as what's potentially being proposed? Like, no, you no, like that's no, that's not a thing. They were barely ranked. So regardless of what, how you want to decipher it, it's going to be a top 12 team. And again, whether you – because the way the, uh, the group of five can get in is they're ranked like, say, 15th, but the next closest power five score, whoever is you know behind them, they'll, they'll sneak in and whatnot. So you got all that going on. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till the end to discuss how it can work. But – I the the like I said the home field angle I believe was 
very much pushed by Notre Dame and Swarbrick, which makes sense, you know. But I got two two points. One, this is going to be a, a big part of the discussion here. Do you think, even despite what Swarbrick's saying, basically putting his foot in the ground, digging his heels in, saying, I accept independence, that's what we're going to do. We, we, we got the access, but we value our independence, and we'll accept the harder path. You know, we had the same opportunity, even though it's not the same opportunity. We can get in, but it's not the same as Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama and Oklahoma. We're, we're not there anymore. We're kind of a notch below. So, do you think this will force Notre Dame to join a conference? No, I, I don't. And I, I, I don't know if it, it, so this is my 30,000 foot view, right? Um, I'm not sure. Obviously, Notre Dame has a say. And obviously, Jack Swarbrick carries a big stick when he, when he walks into a room. There's no question about it. Um, but I, I think what this was was the Power Five conferences getting together and trying to figure it out. I'm not sure, in my view, and I know some, some Notre Dame fans, maybe yourself included, Pop, that you, you believe that Notre Dame was slighted in this. And, and I, see your, I see your opinion there from your last comment. But I think the Power Five needed to do something together, right? And I think they needed to do something and grow a bone to the group of five as well. So I don't know if this was necessarily one of those throw, throw your hands up in the air, extend middle finger directly at Notre Dame. But I think there was also maybe the thought process, if, if that came up, if Notre Dame came up, or if Jack raised his hand at the back of the room and said, hey, what about us? That it could be that, that in order to level the playing field, if you will, Notre Dame's got to play that 13th game. Um, maybe that's it. I don't know. This is just me really truly spitballing here. But maybe so that, that 13th game will then be their, quote, national championship game, so they're not going to get that by. I don't know how this sticks, though. I don't know how you single-handedly, because with the track record and, and the backing and everything else that they have, um, I don't know how you can keep, let's say they're undefeated and they've played a great schedule according to all the well, I hate schedules. Well, real, real quick, before you go on, uh, so 2023 and 24, Notre Dame has Ohio State and Clemson on both schedules. Right, so if they win and go 12-0, and 0, right, I think then, and they're ranked in the top four, I don't know how you can leave them out of the top four. Uh, you know, I, I think there's got to be an asterisk somewhere, and you know I'm not a Notre Dame guy. That's three times I've said that. I should, I should give a dollar for every time I'm on your show to, the, to, the, to feed the vets like we do on, on Sluggo. But um, I, I just, I, I think that there's going to be an asterisk somewhere um, but, but like I was saying earlier, I think maybe in the thinking, at least on paper, right, I think it, this is going to be massaged out probably and have, have to be voted on and, and the whole nine. Obviously, it's getting a whole bunch of traction. Um, but I think that in, maybe in their mind, this is the 13th game. That would be considered, the 512 would be considered that conference championship, which would then deem them worthy quote unquote of playing in, into the final ace. I, yeah. I don't know. That's and, like I said. Well, and here's the thing, as yeah, if I'm being um looking through my shamrock colored glasses, uh, I it sucks. But if you can look at it objectively, which don't go on Twitter for that, but <laughs> to talk talk to talk to normal human beings, um 
do you blame the conferences for doing that? I mean, come on. Like, that's... Well, they're aligned. They're, they're in it together. Exactly. One, six schools that aren't yeah. aligned with them. I, it's, it's, I, uh, it's Notre Dame, the UMass, yeah. the UConn, whoever else yeah. is in the conference. That Liberty, whoever. Liberty, yeah, know. Liberty, BYU. But yeah, I, I'm... But the big elephant in the room is Notre Dame. Right? Yeah. It's not those other schools. No, yeah. But no, I, I just... It, I don't think anybody did wrong. I think... The conferences said, here's our chance to put Notre Dame in a position to make a decision versus just automatic equal inclusion. And then Swarbrick saw the writing on the wall and was like, well, we're not going to join a conference. That's not happening. What's the next best thing we can do is, uh, you know, kind of roundabout, get another home game, but a playoff game that's a big deal and money. Yeah. Oh, it's all about money for sure. For sure. I mean, think about that. You're getting another game on NBC, and you're getting a home attendance. Like in the grand scheme of things, I think Jack Swarbrick, that's what he's supposed to do. Right? Mm-hmm. He, yes, he's the AD of, the, of, of uh, Notre Dame, but he's also supposed to be a, a valuable asset to that development office. And so, if you're going to say that, then he's going to make sure he's going to get a dollar. Yeah. He's gonna get- yeah. But the other part of this before I get into my final point is the value uh, I've heard the value of the regular season is now diminished. And here's the thing. I don't agree. I agree with that. And so I'm looking at it two different ways. The value of the regular season for Notre Dame, who isn't in a conference and doesn't have a conference championship and the value of the regular season for teams that are in a conference. I believe it devalued the regular season for Notre Dame. Because the way it was set up previously with the four, we haven't seen, now granted it hasn't been a, a pop, uh, an opportunity for say a one-loss Notre Dame team because it hasn't existed, but it felt like Notre Dame had to go undefeated to get in that top four. And if they had one loss, it had to be against a Clemson or a few years ago a Georgia, and it had to be really close for it to even get consideration. So now basically what you're telling Notre Dame is you just have to finish in the top 12. Find me a way that Notre Dame loses one game and maybe even two and doesn't finish in the top 12. Okay, I think they're good. Now, where it put pressure on these conferences, I believe, is winning your conference just became very, very, very valuable. Much like the NFL winning your division. All of a sudden, there's value put on that to where now... Your conference games mean that much more, even if it's against a, a lowly team like uh, Syracuse or you know a down Virginia Tech team or NC State, whoever. Like those games matter a little bit more, and even for them when they're playing against each other, because they're playing for the right to play, say uh, probably Clemson. But if they win, they're in. Like most likely, they're in. So. I think it put a little more value on conference-affiliated teams and less value on Notre Dame. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great point, one that I didn't even think about. Because I've been very fortunate as a Clemson guy, Clemson alum, Clemson fan, the last five years, six six years, in playing in the ACC championship game and winning handily. Um, sorry, this year, but... Uh, we were even, right? We were uh, one. Yeah, you're uh, good. You're uh, good. But you know what I mean? We played, 
actually. We Clemson's played every team in the Coastal. Every single team has played in the ACC Championship, and not one of them, only one, was relatively close, and that was North Carolina in 2016, 2015, um, when Clemson went on to win the National Championship. That was it. Other, other games, it was literally, it was a blowout, and it wasn't even... And it was enjoyable for me, but it, for the for the lay fan, it wasn't enjoyable. You weren't going to tune in at eight o'clock on ABC and watch a really competitive game, and you weren't. Um, so it's it's kind of been an afterthought now. But I remember 2013 when when we had an opportunity to to beat 2013. No, it was probably before that when Clemson had a chance to beat uh, Matt Ryan. And Boston College and dropped dropped a pass going into the end zone. Dropped it. Just dropped a pass. We love you, Aaron Kelly. We dropped a pass. Um, going into the end zone to, to win the game and lost. And, and that would have been the first opportunity to win, to go to the ACC championship game. And then Clemson went to the ACC championship game in 2009, and it was the C.J. Spiller show, and it was in Tampa, and they lost, but we were so excited that we got there. And now it's like, eh, that's just another game on the schedule. But back to your point, completely agree with you on on the fact that it's a play-in game now. It's literally with a 12-team playoff, it's a play-in game now. Yes, that that 12 seed whoever's on that side, Duke. Let's just say Duke has a great year and they they are 6 and 6 in the conference, but they beat a Clemson or they beat a Florida State the, on the Atlantic side the, and win the conference. They're in. Well, not ne- not necessarily, but <laughs> Well, because it's the top six, so you got to factor all, all the comments. But my point being is they, they now have a more realistic shot than they did previously. It's still not a true elimination game, but it does change the dynamic. And I think it made – well, here's the thing, though. It made the path, I think, easier to get in for Notre Dame and maybe other teams as well, but it made the path harder – to win the whole damn thing. And because, okay, let's play out this year. Notre Dame plays Coastal, and you're probably beating Coastal. Then Notre Dame would have been paired up with the four, which I guess would have been Oklahoma this year. That thing would have been a good game. Let's say Notre Dame wins. We're back to where we had this year Notre Dame versus Alabama. So, like. Well, that's yeah. the thing that I think people fear right now, too, is that, that it's going to end up cream's going to rise to the top, right? It's going to be those same. You say it on just about every one of your pods. Who yep. are teams. <laughs> Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State. Yeah. You know, that's the fear that it continues to be that way. And it doesn't seem like any of those teams are slowing down and recruiting by any stretch of the imagination. So it may be. Is this a band-aid for the playoff? I, I don't know. Does it give more opportunity for, for injury, which may lead to, you know, you, this year, you, you lose Trevor Lawrence against Notre Dame. You know, obviously, DJ had a great game, but, like, that could be, let's say, in the playoff game, you lose your stud quarterback. Now he's not playing against that yeah. eight seed. And that eight seed won the AAC, and they're undefeated, and they're hungry, and they're healthy, and now you lose. Like, it, it leads to a little bit of that, too. So, yeah, but it could lead to some excitement, though. No, for sure, yeah, because when you're playing the, what, eight, nine, seven, ten, I. I think it's going to end up being like the uh, the college basketball bracket. Your eight, nine, seven, tens. I said it before. You, you lose those, you're in trouble. That leads. This is. There's going to be 
pools now. Oh, uh, we're going to have college football pools. Like I, college football. Dude, well, I, well, I told you I was going to be home at like one one because I had a long drive. That was something that crossed my mind. I was like, wait a second, we can we can do some little bracket play, but um, kind of in between and different on this whole twelve team thing, right? Well, but now, well, yeah. Brackets. Let's do it tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I realize the eight nine will play the one, seven ten will play the two, and it's unlikely. But I do think the eight nine specifically will contain two power five teams that on the right Saturday, Ohio State has proven it. Not so much Alabama, but Ohio State has proven it. Clemson has Clemsoned before. You know, you never know, and when. Yes, obviously it's, there's a clear distinction between the top four or five programs in the country and everybody else, but the fact of the matter is when you're talking Power 5 teams, they're getting legitimate talent. And if the chips fall the right way, I do see the potential of an 8 or 9 beating the 1. Is it going to happen? Maybe once a, a decade. I don't know. But it's out there, And I, but I do think what you're going to get is an eight nine seven ten that you were never gonna get in the old bowl system, and that's pretty cool. You were never gonna yeah, get. I, I think you and I all have talked about this too. But as college football fans, this is great. Yeah. Right. Oh I yeah. I love competitive football, and I think at least that first weekend, right, you're probably gonna have four pretty competitive games. Even even moving into week two, you're probably gonna have at least two really competitive games. I yeah. Think that <laughs> the negative or the con that I've been hearing is that we've had blowouts in, in every part of I mean, Clemson got blown out this year, Notre Dame got blown out in the playoff this year, so we've had blowouts in those games. I think that's the fear of some people that are that are against this, per se, is that they're worried that now we're going to have blowouts for three rounds rather than just blowouts for one. I don't think so, because the blowouts are coming from the same few teams. The other teams are playing more competitive football. So we just have to wait two weeks for the blowouts. That's all. <laughs> it's, yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, we're gonna have competitive. Yeah. But but yeah, I thought eight was the number, but the way they did this, I actually like. It ends up being eight after that first round. You get the the four buys. I actually like it. Here's I here's the fear that I really haven't heard discussed, but here's the thing. They're making it. Up here, the G5 is now more inclusive. We're, we're going to get you in here. Here's how it's going to go. You look through, last year it would have been Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina. You just look through, take the top 12 how, with the current formula and the top six conference champions, and you whittle it all out. And like, oh, a few years there were two G5 teams. Now, here's what they're forgetting. And it happened this year. There was a reason Cincinnati was where they ranked where they were ranked because we get them close enough to feel like they almost got there, but they never really had a chance. So now Cincinnati might not be, but we'll use coastal for last year. Do you really think coastal was going to end up in that spot to get that? No, I really, I don't believe that the, the committee isn't stupid. They would have seen like they're looking through two, three, four weeks in advance after their first rankings going, Okay, if we set a team up here, we might be exposing ourselves to commit to something we don't want to commit to. So you keep them close enough, but then, oh, a Power 5 team won a big game, leapfrog. And 
you're only going to get one, if any. Well, I guess you got to get one because six. There's going to be guaranteed one because it's six conference champions. So they got to get in. But you're not going to get two unless it's extremely like glaringly obvious. Isn't this a rabbit hole then that we don't want to get involved in? Because isn't this going to cause we're going to have two, right? Let's just say UCF gets hot and Cincinnati gets hot, and they're well, they they play each other. But you know what I'm saying? The just two teams that are hot. Now it's going to be well. Even with the twelve, we're not going to be able to get two of those four G five schools in. Be- and then maybe it ends up being everybody breaks off and starts their own super thing. That, or you go to computers because as long as, and I don't want to do that, but as long as people with functioning brains can make this decision, it can be manipulated. That's what people do. I, oh, yeah. They, I, talk, they talk themselves into it, too. And yeah. The, and the media spin gets on it. Yeah. And I think the, the, the big um, fear, too, is that there's nine... SEC teams out of the 12. I know that can't theoretically happen, but you can have, what, six? Six, you can have seven. And that's the thing. It's their rankings and what they, whatever criteria they want to throw at your television screen. Oh, the eye test. Oh, the strength of schedule. Oh, it was, oh, it was. Like, it was whatever angle they want to present to justify why this was that and that was this, they're going to do. And the cool thing is, yeah, you're guaranteed one G5 team. But the idea that last year Coastal would have gotten in, I just, as cool of a story as that was and all that whatnot, I don't think they would have allowed it to get to that point. But it's convenient to go back and look because that's what we can do. But they wouldn't have ranked it the way they did if the current system existed. Or I say the current, but the projected system existed, which won't start for till twenty three. So right, the contract's up in twenty end of twenty two season, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You know what? So. We can we can blather on about this all we want, but at the end of the day it's gonna come down to money and I hate oh, that. I hate, I, know. I hate even talking about it. But it's all gonna come down to how much money the NCAA can make. Anyway, yeah. I won't go there today. We'll we'll come back another day so I can yeah. get on my about that. But so that that was my last point is, you know, we talked about how it affects Notre Dame, how it affects their regular season schedules, the value of them, the 13th game, home games. But my last point was just this ranking system is still going to be talked about in the same way because whether it's a different set of faces, whether you got Condoleezza Rice or me and beef in the room. Everybody has their own agenda, and you're going to come out with a controlled ranking system versus, you know, kind of what it, I don't say what it should be, but just there's going to be some question about it, why this team is there, why this team is there. But I think it is better than what it was, and... Uh, as much as it sucks, Notre Dame won't get a bye. I'm I'm okay with the progression, and if Notre Dame does their part, they'll get a five or a six, and they should beat that team. And it's the 18 playoff that I thought we should have to begin with. So there you are. <laughs> I and think if we can just resign ourselves to thinking that there's always going to be an argument. Oh yeah. You know, 
I think some of these guys get lost in the fact, like, oh, we're going to fix it, and everyone's going to be happy. No. No, there's we're, always going to be, I don't care what the number is. We're, we're just going to rearrange the furniture in a different way so yeah. that you don't get pissed off, you don't get mad immediately, but after, like, a month, you're like, wait a second, this actually sucks. It's the same flipping furniture we had a month ago. Yeah. Exactly. And I hate that. Exactly. I mean, and... And I will say this as, and it's going to be used and I'm okay with it because I'm going to use it too. Like in social media land and otherwise uh, conversations, Hey, we made the playoff. You didn't. And it sounds weak because uh, uh, figuratively the top 12, make it just call it, use that uh, terminology top 12, make it like you made it. We didn't, or uh, we made it. You didn't kind of thing. And Here's the fact, though. If you can't make the top 12, you shouldn't be in the discussion anyway. Like, you're... Like, come on. You, there's 12 teams, and you you didn't make one of them? Yeah. Well, what's that? Social media is not going to do... Come on. No. Not, Texas fans aren't going away when they end up 13th. Yeah. Uh, fired, Texas fans. Te- Texas is back! Maybe it'll be above 500 this year. But, all right, man, we're running up uh, on an hour. Uh, thank you so much, and I appreciate it always. You provided awesome insight, both baseball and an outside Notre Dame perspective of this playoff expansion. Guys, Casey the Beef Cregan, you can find him at From Sluggo on uh, Twitter. He's got two podcasts. He's got the Sluggo podcast with uh, him and Marty, which is uh, Podcast Sluggo on Twitter for him, but... Beef's got the Sluggo podcast, but also, you finally have a Twitter account, by the way. Took you long enough. Chopping Beef has a Twitter, at Chop, the letter N, Beef. Um, guys, go check that out. I'm going to get on there one of these days soon. It's it's just fun. Literally, if you're anything like me and Beef, just get a round table, get a case of beer, and just start talking. That's what Chopping Beef is. It's fun. If you want a more, um, it's a little Clemson-centric, but they talk all all college football on Sluggo. So check them out. Uh, they're good. I'm going to get on uh, one or both of those shows here in the future. So if if you only hear it when I'm on, maybe that will be uh, your springboard into listening to them more because it's good stuff. You got the serious football stuff, and then you got the, like I said, guys drinking beer. It's good stuff. But, I know. I don't. I don't know how we got through this literally in less than an hour. I, I'm impressed because by myself I go on for an hour, and I got to let someone else talk. <laughs> like, what is that? What? It's nice when you're not talking yourself, right? It. You know what? It gave me time. The pauses you normally hear during my show are me taking a sip of whatever beverage I've got next to me. Today I got to sip it comfortably and not try to rush through it to get back on the mic. But, uh, but no, for real, thank you, man. Uh, thank you, bud. Happy birthday tomorrow. Yes, 37 years young. I can, I can no longer say I'm, I'm, over, I'm over 30. I'm really, I'm under 40 now. So, you are in your mid to upper 40, <laughs> mid to upper 30s. Yes. Me. No, you're in your mid 40s. But, I'm in my mid to lower, lower mid 40s. Yeah. But, uh, thank you, buddy. It's going to be fun. I get my kids tomorrow, then I'll be off for, 
literally off of everything for like two weeks. We're going uh, on vacation. Uh, we got pool days planned. So you guys won't hear this just amazing voice for like two weeks-ish. And I apologize. But I will be back. But watch Notre Dame tonight. 6 o'clock my time. 7 o'clock Eastern time. 4 o'clock Pacific if anybody on the West Coast listens to this. Go Irish. Beat Hell State. I think that's how that goes. That's what they say. But thank you all for listening. Thank you, Beef. You got any last words of wisdom? No, I just appreciate you always and listen to the show. Appreciate the plugs as well. Yes. Thank you all. Five foot nothing. Hundred nothing. Out.